So can you guys believe that it has taken us about eight years to finally get connected with the Afterlife Awareness Conference. I can't believe that it's finally happening. I'm not exactly sure what it was this year, but I just felt really connected to their website, to what was going on. Um, Some Facebook posts kept popping up on my feed and I decided to finally click on it um, months ago and I ended up on the website. I took a look at all of the presenters and I sent an email to our assistant producer and I said, you know what? Take a look at all of these speakers. They would be amazing guests for the Path 11 podcast. Can you reach out to them and see if they would like to be on the show? And sure enough, uh, most, if not all, and we are in the process of booking some more of them, agreed to be on the show. And we got a chance to interview Terry Daniels. And if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, I would recommend that you do because she is the person that is organizing the event. And after our podcast interview with Terry, we were just talking talking, we said, God, you know, we'd love to come down to this event. Is there a way that maybe we could do some live podcasting? Uh, you know, you know, what exactly do you need? Can we make this happen? And it just so happens that this year in 2018, Mike and I, we both had our schedules open where we didn't have any prior commitments because when we met up with William Buhlman, when we were filming the path evolution and grabbed some extra and new footage for that documentary, he said, you know, you guys should really check this conference out. And every time, every year we did, we just couldn't make it happen. And this year, the stars aligned, and here we are. And we got chosen um, to actually be the production company that's going to live stream. So after our interview with Terry, she said, well, you know what? The people who did the live stream before aren't able to do it this year. Would you guys be interested? And without a blink of an eye, Mike and I, we said, yes, let's figure this out. So we are really uh, trying to help them promote this conference. We are excited that we're going to be there in person and that we're going to be bringing it to people all over the world who cannot travel to Orlando. But if you do live close by and you would like to be there in person for the real experience, then I encourage you to head on over to their website to register for the conference, afterlifeconference.com, or you can call 971-236-1541. That's 971-236-1541. And go ahead and register. And I hope to see you there. If you are a fan of the podcast, you better come up to me and tell me that you're listening and that you love the show. And that's how you heard about this conference. And thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. We have a great show for you today. I am going to be introducing Tori Hartman in just a little bit, but I'd like to tell you a little bit more about her. She is a world-renowned author, spiritual teacher, and intuitive soul. Born and raised in the free-thinking atmosphere of New York's Greenwich Village in the 1960s, Tori has been aware of her psychic abilities since the age of eight. After a near-death experience about 25 years ago, Tori began having a series of encounters with angels that revealed the profound fables that were to be 
become the basis of the Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards and Chakra Wisdom Oracle Toolkit. Tori has been featured in several highly acclaimed publications, such as the New York Times and the Los Angeles Business Journal, and she has also worked with celebrities, including Jeff Lewis, whom she helped launch his hit TV show, Flipping Out, on Bravo Network USA. So, Tori, welcome to our show. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm really, I'm really excited um, to actually speak to you because it was about two years ago, I decided to do a workshop training on the chakra system. And it was a woman's wellness series that I did over seven weeks, because we have the seven chakras, the seven main chakras. And I decided to just look online, I think it was maybe even through Amazon. And I just wanted to see, gosh, are there any cards out there. Has anybody ever created any chakra um, cards that maybe I could use or bring into this for fun? And I found you. (laughs) And uh, I found the Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards. And um, I found that they were pretty magical. There are sometimes when, you know, I may purchase a deck, um, you know, for inspiration or to use with a workshop that I'm doing. But some card decks don't have magic if you understand that. And some do. (laughs) Yeah. And I had never really, uh, you know, delved into any more research other about you other than that. I love these cards and there was magic happening with the women when we were pulling them. And then after that training, I decided to continue to use them when I would do chakra clearings, uh, for clients that would come in and the accuracy of them was wild. Um, so I was in my, I was in my studio one day and I'm looking at all the books and stuff that I have. And, um, And I was looking and I thought, you know what, now that you have a podcast, April, it'd be really cool to like reach out to these people um, whose books that you've read or tools that you've used and see if they'd like to be a guest so you can ask them personal questions that you wish you could have when you were using them. So that is why I decided to reach out to you. Oh, that's great. And it's, I want to just tap on something you said, which is the idea of some decks have that energy and some don't. And I think that there is a, there's definitely a story behind every deck. And I think that when you're attracted to a deck, finding out what the story behind it is, is going to give you a lot of insight into how it came to be. And some of the, some of the decks that really hit and stay popular have come from a place that we really can't explain. And I, you know, in some ways, I mean, this crazy story with how the chakra wisdom cards actually came to be. Um, and I don't, I'm, you may know the story, uh, April, but I don't know if your listeners do, but basically I had a near death experience in my twenties, which I'll fill in in a minute. But the, the, from there, my entire life was guided. And of course, you know, if you want to find out what you're supposed to do, just try to fight it. Right. (laughs) That's been my theory my whole life is like, oh, I don't want that. Meanwhile, it's like, I really want that. And I don't know how to get there, but it's right there. It's kind of like me waving for a taxi. You know, you're standing there and you're waiting, you're waving for a taxi and one stops and you're like, where's the taxi? You know, it's like, it's just, and I think a lot of us do that because we, we really don't get that magic is happening every minute. And I think as we step into that part of ourselves, that, if you will, that map that I call the chakra, 
it starts to light up like a very magical road. And that is really where manifesting happens. So going back to my, and this is all stuff that I've learned from the Chakra Wisdom Oracle. And I consider these fables, the original fables, the actual the actual roadmap. After I had my, my near-death experience, these angels came and told me what I thought, honestly, <laughs> were ridiculous. They were like these silly stories um, that I thought were just silly, but they wouldn't go away till I wrote them down. And they were all color-based. And I couldn't figure out what that meant. And anyway, they went into drawers. Like I, literally in the middle of the night, I'd get woken up. So I have to write this thing down and then I could go back to sleep because it wouldn't, the, the angel wouldn't leave until I wrote it down. And they stayed in drawers for almost 10 years until a friend of mine came to see me, desperate to create some money. And he said, please, can you do a reading for me? And I wasn't really reading quite professionally yet. And I said, sure. And I, I said, oh, my cards are upstairs. I ran upstairs. And on the table were these, I had been, you know, there were the pile of written fables. And he read one and he looked at me when I came downstairs. He said, I don't need anything. I got everything I need. I said, what? He said, thank you. Takes off. And I'm like, what? And I looked at what he read and he had read the fable of persistence. And I thought, I wonder if there's something here. Well, he had, he had needed exactly a thousand bucks to pay his rent by Friday. And he was an artist. And that Thursday it was, I think it was like Tuesday when he came to see me. And that Thursday he gets a call from Crayola. He did a lot of art for them. And they said, listen, we need an overnight turnaround. The pay's a grand, but you have to have it here at 7 a.m. He, he, he got his money and he said, Tori, I swear it's from that fable. Well, I thought that was kind of crazy, but then he started to tell people about it and we began fable groups. So one of the things that happens in these kinds of situations when you're in a group or any kind of community, right? It's, and it's very clear, obviously in the Bible, it's like, you know, when one or more are gathered, right? So, and, and, but, you know, I want to say that when, when we gather in that kind of that kind of idea of higher consciousness and, and and raising our own consciousness, what begins to happen is something something shakes down. Now everyone in that original fable group went on to great things. And some one person won an Academy Award. Another person is uh, producing a, a, a series right now. Uh, best-selling authors. I mean, they were really. It was really an astounding group. And everybody was saying, because we started just to read the fables, but we developed it. Now, I'm not sure how far you went with it, but just so everybody knows, there's the card deck, and then there's what's called the toolkit, which is the second book. And the toolkit actually has the original, that's what the mastermind group was. We, uh, that has the original fable and all of the exercises we did. So what I thought I'd do before I go forward into the next thing is share one of the exercises with you, which was actually one of the, one of the most powerful ones in the group. And it's in the, um, I want to say it's the, a joy card and in the joy card, we, uh, it's the, it's the fable of dance and Daisy. And basically we started talking in the group that day and everybody was really bummed. Everybody was like, we're never, I'm never going to get my goal. I'm never going to get my dream. And you know, when, once you have that going on, your, your energy is like, you know, it's just lower than dirt. Right. So we're all sitting there and I said, wait a second, what if you were about to appear on your favorite talk show? 
whoever it is, you know, Oprah or, you know, and we named a couple people and everybody said, yeah, I said, okay, so let's take turns and we'll each play the, the, the get, you know, we'll play Oprah or whoever the, you know, the host, and you're going to be the guest and you're going to come on and you're going to talk about what you've achieved. And I have to tell you, not one person was depressed while they were sitting there talking with Oprah. All right. <laughs> it was like, all of, sudden, all of a sudden the energy shifts. And, and if you're listening now to us, I just encourage you to like, imagine you're walking on the stage and you're about to hug or shake hands with the host, whoever that is for you, if it's Oprah, you know, whoever's out there now. And I want you to imagine you're sitting in those chairs. It could be Ellen and you're sitting there. You did something amazing. Tell us about your accomplishment. And I want you to notice that your energy begins to shift. And the idea of that is all of a sudden you're now in your third chakra. You're suddenly in your solar plexus of your, your mind and, and what, have you, what emotionally, right? Because your emotions, second chakra, are supporting what you're thinking and planning. So all of a sudden now, you're, you're talking to Oprah, man. You're not, you don't have time to be, I can't get my dream. You know. See, what happens is we have to shift our state very quickly at times to stay on track. So anyway, one of the women in the group started talking, thanking the, everyone. She said, I don't want to, I don't want to host. I want to accept my Academy Awards. So she did. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, I want to thank everyone for this, you know, this honor. And, and she said, she was so specific. She said, you know, I really love animation. And she talked about it. Well, eight years later, we got to watch her give the same speech when she stood on the stage and accepted her Academy Award. And what I'm saying is, that this stuff is real. This can really happen. And everybody talks about it. You see, all of the all of the gurus in the 90s, right? They were like, you know, feel it emotionally. But that's almost a disconnected idea. So when we talk about, you know, the, when they talk about manifesting, right? We, we manifest twice. And everybody knows this. It, we, we do it once in our imagination. And then we do it again in reality. And the gap between the imagination and the reality the secret that most the reason most people don't get those steps is because they're called the chakra. We have to we have to travel that journey through our seven chakra to get to our highest consciousness so we we accept that we're not getting that award for ourselves. We got that award for everybody around us because there's something greater than us at play. And it's a the thing that happened, just to give you that small example in the joy card, that was one of the examples in the toolkit of all of the exercises that we developed in the mastermind group. And so we really did a lot of, if you will, getting clear on where we were. But something I want to throw out to you, April, that I think I have three dogs, so y'all are going to hear like, you know. <laughs> dog shaking and you may hear a toy in the background, but, and I love my dogs. So that's that. But what I was going to say to you, April, is that the thing that's most valuable here is the idea that we all have these answers. We all have them. And the idea of a chakra block, I always, you know, people come to me and I had somebody write to me, I guess about a year ago or so now it was longer. She said, you know, my chakra's blocked. I don't know what to do. And I, she said, can you help me? And I said, no, I don't believe in blocks. And 
you know, everybody was like, what? And I said, no, I don't think your chakra gets blocked. I think it gets busy. And I think you have to look to the prior chakra. Let me explain that. So we always have to look at what happened just before. If anybody's done any acting, and, and April, you have a great voice, so you've probably done some theater or some some kind of speaking. You know, any moment, the moment before you walk into the scene is the moment that's the deciding moment. So when we look at the moment that happened right before you consider that block, right? And I'm going to give you a story. I was at an event and it was, it was in Europe. And I just love, I just love, I just love British and Irish and Scottish. Ugh. I just love listening to their, you know, their, I don't know, their, their language, right? So the way they speak. So I was standing there, I said, oh gosh, I just, you know, it's just great to listen to a foreign accent. And they all looked at me and said, well, from where we're standing, you're the foreigner. And I just went, oh, that's right. So this couple comes up and we're all kind of standing around and everybody disperses and, and they, they said, oh, this is an interesting deck. The woman did. And the, I was at a, a convention for, it was a book conference and my publisher was there. And they said, well, this is the author. And the woman said, oh, I'm a Reiki expert. I love Reiki. And um, I do, she did a couple things. And she said, and my husband has a blocked third chakra. And I looked at him, this big bloke, right? Big guy. <laughs> He's looking at me like, I don't know what that means. And I said, oh, so you have a blocked third chakra? And he said, I don't know. That's what she tells me. You know, this is my bad accent. And I'm like, okay, so... And I, I, I looked at her and I looked at him and I said, let me ask you something. I said, did you just recently decide to perhaps leave a job and, and do something on your own? And perhaps it, it's been a very confusing time figuring things out. And he said, yes. And she looked at me and I said, I said, I don't mean to tell you anything about, you know, your beliefs, but I'm going to tell you this. I think his third chakra is really busy trying to figure things out. And I said, we call it a block because we don't know what to do, but that doesn't mean we won't know what to do soon. And I think most people quit in the block, quote unquote, because they think they've done it wrong rather than stay in the middle of the, the hurricane and figure out what to do when the other side hits them. So she got it immediately. And I said, I looked at him and I said, you're perfectly fine. I said, you're figuring things out. And I said, you look like you're somebody who'll figure it out. So that's cool. And he said, oh, I feel so much better. And she looked at me, she said, I feel better too. You see, that's the purpose of understanding ourselves. That's the purpose of the chakra for all of us is understanding that in, in truth, we're really okay. You know, I think in, in some of this new age speak, sometimes we forget that the purpose of these gifts is to affirm that we're okay. And I'm going to skip back to my near death experience in a moment. Um, but just to give you an example, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. It was very interesting. Um, and it was, oh, I was talking to a new social media person that I'm thinking of working with. And I said, I said, you know, one of my most important moments was when I was on the radio, this is years ago, and a woman called in and she was really in upset. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm an agoraphobic. I can't leave my house. And I said, wow, how long has that been? And she said, it's been 10 years. And I said, 10 years, that's amazing. And everybody in the studio just went, what? And I just said, that is so cool. How do you live like that? You know, like, and, and she started to tell me, 
the amazing things that she had created to not leave her house. And I was like, wow. And she was a fabulous artist. And she said her real thing was, and this is what we came down to, was that she wanted to do an art exhibit and she wanted to see her art in the exhibit. She wanted to actually stand in the in the gallery. And I said, well, well, that's fine. That's fine. I said, but tell me more about this amazing agoraphobia you've created. And she was like, she's first, she was really upset with me. She was like, well, I'm supposed to be getting the, the, you know, it's a real problem. And I said, how's it a problem? You've worked it out. And she went, well, yeah. And I said, who says it's a problem? She said, well, people. I said, what people? (laughs) She goes, well, my family. I said, forget them. I said, you know, you've done an amazing job. And she was like, you know, I have. And within 15 minutes of our conversation, she had come to the idea that that she the the it was embracing what everybody labeled as this agoraphobia. When she embraced it and stepped into it, she was able to go, you know, I have created a lot around this one thing. I said, now let me look at it this way. If we pull that linchpin out, that label of agoraphobia, and all the things you've created, can you imagine what you you can create if that's not there? And there was a pause and she went, right? Oh, right? And she went, mm-hmm. and immediately April, she went to, what do I do? I said, nothing. You've done it. She said, what do you mean? I said, we've opened up the possibility. And I said, that's all your chakra needs. Sit with that. Be with it. Well, a year later, I get a note from her that said she, a picture too of her in her art gallery. And she said, you know, I stayed in my house for a long time feeling really proud of myself. And then one day I did, it didn't matter if I went out or not. And I, wow. (laughs) And that is the goal of the work. You know, not, I think that what happened in some ways, April, is we took this new age conversation to a point of punishment. And it's Mm -hmm. not about that. It's about it's about taking those teachings of the Bible, of all of the places we get it from, wherever it is, and bringing it into a reality of acceptance. And that's why I was you're going to love this. And I'll talk about my near death experience, I promise. But I, I said to somebody the other day, do you ever notice that the people who have those bumper stickers coexist or the people screaming out of their window, you know, at you for cutting them off? And and (laughs) sorry for half the people who have that. They're going to be out there like chipping it away, you know, Um, (laughs) scraping it off. But, you know, the reason I say that is because the minute I think I have your answer, I've crossed a line that that I can never get back from. In other words, then I am part of the problem. You see, the thing is, is that. We have become a society that's looking for problems instead of sitting with the discomfort of what that situation has created and then allowing our chakra and ourselves and our wisdom to find a solution. And I think when we go back now, I'll I'll back up to my near death experience unless you have another because I'm kind of like, you're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oops. No, I totally get it. Like, you know, the, these um, stories that you're telling, you know, two things, what it reminds me of is that I feel like you're reminding people to release resistance around whatever it is that the struggle is right. and really encouraging them just to go within and empowering them to know that the answer is within. And of course, you know, I say this to a lot of my clients too, like, it's okay to just sit with it. 
Yeah. And not yeah. have the answer. See, this is the thing. It's like be with it. You know, if you created everything, right? And a lot of people get into upset with me. Let's say I, and I'm going to share this with you, like fully open. You know, I created a situation where I was in this corner where I wasn't able to write my books because I was managing someone who was working for me. And I went, wow, look what I created. And everybody's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I go, I'm going to just sit with this creation for a bit and allow myself to feel this, as you said, discomfort or, you know, the feelings. And I'm going to allow myself to really walk through to the other side. And once I get how it's benefited me, and the fact is that it prevented me from like, moving on so I could, quote, stay safe in my little bubble. Well, you know what? I'm not a safe person. So I just kind of went, oh, that's not me. And guess what? The whole situation changed. And it changed almost instantly. And, you know, now I've got books and deals and stuff. And and the thing I want to say about that is that that's the place I want to live. So what I'm going to say to the listeners are, Where do you want to live? What's your truth? And that's really, April, what all of this work is about. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, I wish my near-death experience, everybody, was a little bit more sexy than it is. You know, I think that, you know, you want, like, lightning coming down and, you know, but I think that it's the... The happily ever after is not the happily, it's the ever after part that matters. Who I've become from that experience is more important than the experience. You know, we can all look at the wedding day as this big, great thing, but who are you marrying? You know, what are you stepping into? And that's really what I think is valuable. Yes, that's a, that's a pivotal point that kind of spun me and put me in a different direction, and I want to say this, that the biggest thing I've learned from Chakra Wisdom, oh, Owen, stop. Owen's my my crier. He just loves to cry. Um, the, the biggest thing I've learned from Chakra Wisdom is that our wounding is our greatest gift. And what do I mean? Well, I'm going to share this with everybody because I think it, it we all have, you know, family scarring, you know. Um, I think I could have done a, a, you know, like a family feud and called it, you know, dysfunctional family feud, you know, um, which would have been a gap. Could you imagine, you know, how many times did your parent berate you and what did they say? And, you know, yes, you're a loser. Bing, number one, you know, like, okay. You know, we've all had that, right? So when I was, when I was little, I was about, I guess, from the time I was five till my mother died when I was 15, my mother told me I had no command of the language and that she needed to write my school papers for me. So she wrote all my papers and she stood over me and dictated them. Now, if I didn't let her do it, she went into upset. Now, one of the things that I learned over time was just take the dictation, you know, word for word. If I missed a word, she'd like, you know, go into freaky. So I let this happen. And of course I was five. So what did I know? But the point is when she died, when I was 15, I really thought I couldn't write. I thought, oh my gosh, I have no talent. I can't write. What am I going to do? And I had to write, I had to learn. So what did I do? I learned, I I trained three times more than anybody else. And at the end of the day, I became a writer. And after the chakra wisdom, when I, after my near death experience, now this is going to tie into that, my near death experience, I was just very sick. 
and like I said, I wish it was a sexy story, everybody, but I'll try to, I'll try to make it, I'll try to puff it a little bit. So it sounds really dramatic, but basically I got sick, some kind of food poisoning. I was dangerously dehydrated and my father, God bless him, rushed me to the hospital. And I was sitting on the edge of the gurney and I looked at the doctor who walked in and said, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I just closed my eyes and fell back. And as I fell back, I was turning and I saw myself fall. And then I went, oh, this isn't good. And all of a sudden I heard like a steel door slam shut and it was completely black and silent. And I thought, wow, this is great. And I went to take a breath and it was so peaceful. And then I looked up, you know, way into the distance, because you can imagine it's like a tractor beam. I'm laying on my back being pulled up. And I, in the distance, I saw that white light. And I thought that was kind of shadows going back and forth. It was so distant, it looked like shadowy fingers almost. And I was laying there and I took another breath and I realized, I'm not breathing. And I went, "Uh uh-oh. And I went, no, 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 it's not my time. I got to go back. I got to go back. I got to go back. And all of a sudden, it was like somebody cut the tractor beam, and I went slamming back into my body. And it felt like the experience of it was almost, it felt like I fell 10,000 feet in three seconds into my body. And I went, I suddenly sat up, and I went, (gasps) and everybody in the room went, (gasps) you know, and that was my near-death experience. Well, after that, um, it was a freaky, freaky, leaky time for me because I had spirits coming and talking to me. And I thought this is too much because I, I really wasn't the person that wanted to hang out a shingle and be Madame Tory. That wasn't my scene. You know, I was like, no. And, uh, so the, the time after my near death experience, I started to really work with and, and try to get rid of these spirits talking to me all the time. Cause I'd walk down the street and somebody would brush into me and I'd have a vision and it was just awful. I mean, when I say awful, some people be like, that's amazing. To me, it was like, no, I don't. And I went to a, finally, I went to a psychic who said to me, and there were a lot of stories in there, but I'm cutting it down to the point where, and the psychic said to me, you must pray and thank spirit. Thank God for this gift and say, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to use it for my writing. And that's what I did. I said, I really am a writer. I want to, I want to affect people through my writing please God, please spirit, you know, allow me to use this that way. And almost within days, the energy faded and it started focusing into that. Well, I then woke up and there's a thing there where, you know, I was guided to move to California, which I did. I was living in New York and literally within three weeks, I was moved out of New York and in California and it was craziest time. But when I got there, uh, that's when the angels started coming and telling me these stories that I would have to write down. And just to share with you that full circle, and then I'll I'll tell you about my hundred thousand dollar craziness. Um, but what happened was after the fables, after everything was published by Watkins and the deck came out and all that stuff, I sat up one in bed one day and I went, "Oh my God!" Because I'd been saying for years, April, your wounding is your greatest gift. Mm-hmm. Well. I couldn't figure out how that applied to me, but I always thought it was true. And then I got it and I realized, oh my gosh, I was uniquely trained to take dictation by my mother. And therefore, when the spirits came to me and gave me the gift of the chakra wisdom fables, I realized I took dictation. I was Uh right word for word. And so all of the fables that you're reading in that book 
are the original word for word, except maybe a typo or two, in the book. Okay, so it's really uncanny that, you know, because a lot of times the the editor will come in and try to change it. And my editor's amazing. She did a lot of work with me. But one thing I was adamant about was that, no, we're not changing word a word of the fables because they are the magic, right? So when we look at it that way, we can realize that the chakra wisdom cards are actually sitting each card is actually sitting on the original fable. Now, when and, and this is also why they're so powerful. Let's get to this, too. I recognized that I wanted to make them into cards. And everybody said to me, oh, my gosh, you know, nobody would publish them. I went to New York. Everybody's like, no, this is crazy. It doesn't make sense. And I said, all right, all right. Well, I'll do it myself. How mad can it be? <laughs> so anyway, the uh, I went to. Um, I went to the internet, obviously. Now, this was right when it was at the, you know, just really kind of, I would say it was like late 90s. So it wasn't like you, everybody was still on AOL and dial-up, okay? So I found this artist online, and I said, would you draw the cards for me, Gretchen? And she said, uh, well, yeah, but it's going to take me a year. I said, I don't care. I've been with this project at this point for 16 years, 15, 16 years, who cares? So I mailed her the manuscript. And every week for a year, I got this this painting or this little drawing that she did in my email. And it was quite amazing because over the course of a year, she drew the deck. And at the end of the year, and we'd never met, at the end of the year, we had one conversation. And she said, you know, Tori, I feel like there's another card. I feel like we need another card. And I said, well, Gretchen, I, I don't feel a card, but I feel an angel. And I'm not sure what that's about. Well, then I had to, I spent my life savings, went off to China. This is the craziest thing. Don't do this, everybody. Listen to me. Don't <laughs> do this. Okay. This is not what you do. All right. So do not do this. Um, so I went off to China with my last hundred thousand. And I, when I say last, it's like I had so much money. That was my life savings. And I went off to China and I got 10,000 copies of this deck printed with the book and the whole thing. Well, when it shows up two and a half months later, 10,000 units. I don't know if you know how many that is, uh, April, but just to give you a visual, it was my lawn, my neighbor's lawn, both our driveways and out into the sidewalk and into the street. That was a lot of units. So after I dropped to the ground and cried, I prayed while I was down there and something said, get a storage unit, which was smart. And then I found out I could not sell it on Amazon because Amazon was going to take more money from me than I had put into it. So it was like, for instance, they would take $16 and it cost me 15 and it was selling for 30. So you get the idea that it was like, I was going to lose money. And so I had $5,000 left to my name and I prayed. I said, okay, spirit, show me what to do. And somebody, just this voice came and said, give it away free. And I went free. Well, I went online, I found a a website person, and I built, for the last bit of money I had, an online site that was a free shuffler, so people could come and try the cards free. And the whole thing was up there on the thing. And I didn't know what to do in those days, you know, but people were coming, and suddenly someone sent me a note and said, how can I buy it? How can I buy the deck? And I got my first check, and then I put a cart on, and within the next two and a half years, I sold 10,000 units off my website. And one day I woke up and said, and and by the way, I have to back up everybody to the six months to the day after I put it online, actually, no, 
a week after I put it online, but six months the day after I got the, the all the decks, um, Gretchen died. And she was only 41. And I recognized that before the first deck had been mailed out, she was going to be the angel that, that delivered each deck. And what became so real to me was the idea that this is a woman who did not die with her, quote, music in her. She was there to give her gift. The fables began with creating your gift. We developed it in a mastermind to create your gifts. This deck is really about people who know they're here to do something and are attracted to it and they don't know why. And when we look at that and when we look at all of the idea of you're fine as you are, that's what this de- this deck reminds us all that we are wacky, we are cray cray, we are off the wall, but we're who we are and what we contribute matters. And so, you know, Gretchen's contribution to us was quite amazing. And when we look at it that way, and then I step back and I think I can't, you know, I remember the morning I woke up and said, I can't put another deck in another box. I just can't do it. It was insane. And And I said, somebody said, go to London. And I went, London. And all of these series of events happened and the London Book Fair was coming up and I, I connected with somebody through that and they said, well, everybody was saying to me, you don't go to London to sell the London Book Fair. That's only foreign rights. They don't buy books there. And I said, it's good. I'm foreign. They'll buy something. And I got there and I met Joe Lal from uh, from Watkins. And I loved her instantly. She was amazing. And she said, we need to call this because at the time it was color wisdom. She said, we need to call this chakra wisdom. And I said, perfect, because that's how I teach it. And it just it just from the day it came out, April, it it hit number one on Amazon, um, and it has stayed pretty much in the top ten. And you know, and I'm not saying that like, hey, I'm saying it like when you have something. Going back to your first statement, when something has a journey with it, has a story with it, has a reality with it, people who want that kind of adventure are going to find this deck, and they're going to find the deck that relates most to the person who's creating it. So, you know, or that journey. When we look at, you know, what it took to get this here and also how it's changed my life, I've, I keep learning from the chakra wisdom. You know, there's a card in it. It's Reggie Rust. It's the impasse card. And I love that card. I thought it was great. You know, it's like, it doesn't say no, it just says not this way. And it was one of my students. I was, we were all in a, I was in a mastermind group with people and it was a, uh, I have an online club. Anyway, what happened was the, uh, uh, Becky said, I love Reggie cause he's a, he's a guardian angel. And I went, Oh, Wow, that's cool. I never thought of that. So it's always this deck isn't mine. It's it's yours. It's the people who come to it. And when when people and there's always a few on Amazon who get really angry. This is what crap. You know, you kind of go, wow. You know, like when they get that when someone is in that much upset. this has nothing to do with the deck. You know what I mean? It's like it is just like this is just like wow. And, you know, I kind of observe it and kind of move on. And I think what I'm trying to say is that if, if for the people listening, the key to all of this and going back to what happened right before, when you make a decision based on an emotional state that isn't serving you, you're setting your life in a direction that 
is going to like hit a wall. So when I talk about going to the chakra prior, it's kind of like looking at how you are emotionally is going to dictate how your thinking goes. So when a woman called me on the radio and said, does he love me? And I said, oh, honey, who cares? You're miserable. You don't need a, a psychic. You need a therapist. Because you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because the truth is that isn't really her. That that is not that is not a true emotion, because of course he loves her. He's just not loving her the way she wants to be loved. So that's a that's a wounding that that no other person can help with. So, you know, we all and that's the truth is that, you know, love doesn't die. It just changes form. And and when we look at like the the card of grief in the deck, you know, it just says, you know, grief is love without a place to go. And, and there are some really beautiful things that have come through the Shaka Wisdom Oracle. And everything that I have created, I've created through those fables. And the fables really are the key, April, to, to really understanding the deeper nuances. Because one of the things I teach when I do, you know, the master program is I really help them look at, wait a second. We're looking at the joy card and we see one character. But, you know, there's seven characters in that fable. Which character is really coming out in that moment? And people are like, oh. So we start to see the different nuances. And one of the things that's happened to me is I've really, in this, it's interesting at the time of this taping, we're really looking at, I no longer want to just offer somebody just a download or, you know, come take a, a you know, $47, you know, thing or, you know, now it's only $97. I don't want that. I'm, I'm going to be moving into level one interpreter training where you really train and learn how to read the cards and level two mastery, which I, I've taught to some people who are just, they, they blow my mind. And really this is about making a commitment and doing the work to, to create something outstanding. And, you know, I have some people in the level one that are, are wanting to just learn the cards for themselves and other people are practitioners. And what, what I feel in my life is that my commitment to creating my life as a writer is really about no longer running a business, but offering things that will take people who like this work to the level they want to be at. And I felt that I was cheating people by offering them, come get this for 197. And and the reason I'm saying this to you and to everybody listening is, you know, I did something interesting, April. I, when I launched the thing, I said, okay, here's the discount, get it for this price. And it was like, I think it was like 200 bucks and it's really a thousand dollar course. But in the first two months I was trying to get, you know, uh, how do you say, um, testimonials, right? But what's interesting is the hundred people who signed up in that time, I think it was 15 of them actually finished it and went on to the next step. And what I realized is the other 85 created a mass of support tickets. So what began to happen was they were actually costing me money to deal with all of their problems. Oh, life happened or this happened or that happened. Well, I guarantee when someone's in med school or they're studying something like that, they really don't have things that get in the way, very rarely. So what I recognized is I'd rather be teaching those 10 people and focus on them and charge them what they need to pay so that they can invest. And then 
I will be teaching people that really want this work, not just the people who need it. So that was a big recognition for me because I was taking all the time away from my writing, which is what I love. So the point of my saying this to everyone is, is something, quote, else pulling you away from what you love and what your truth is? And I just wrote a blog series about this. It's very interesting. I, it, it's, there's four blogs on my um, on my uh, my website, and I talked about the transformation from I'm not charging more because quote I'm worth it. I'm charging more because my clients worth it, and they deserve the focus that I can give them when they invest. And I think that's something that's very important is that, you know, I would rather give it away. I'd rather everybody just get it. But you know what happens? They get it and they don't do it. So that was where I recognized that it wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't willing to give it away free. I'd love to give it to you free, but guess what? You won't do it. And how can I make a living? (laughs) So that's the, that's the thing that I, I recognize. And somebody said something interesting about this and I'll, you know, wrap this up in a minute, but, you know, cause he wrote in and he said, you know, Tori, I agree with you. We have to give away what was given to us freely. However, we have to charge for the product that has been created from it. And I thought that is wonderful. Mm. So, you know, and, and by the way, for all of the practitioners listening and for you, April, we are products, we are the product. So what happens is we have to charge. So our product can be cared for. So, you know, it's one thing if we get up and just do a free seminar because we want to help people, right? It's another thing if we, like, I I really would love to do more with veterans. That's my thing. But, you know, I think that the point I'm making is that I would love to give back to where I want to give back. And then, you know, because there are people who write me all the time say, you know, I just can't afford it. And I'm thinking, you know, I get it. I get it. And yet... At the same time, final story is my favorite one. I was doing a I was doing a free free check this out April free. Um, I was doing a free summit. It was seven days, chakra money manifesting. Check this out. It was every day, eight a.m. Pacific time for seven days. All you had to do to get it free was show up for it. Right? It was a twenty minute, just amazing meditation. Well. I also offered it to the whole list, just the, the intro. I said, it's $17 if you want to own it, but you can come free because I really wanted to help people with the prosperity thing. Cause I can create money, you know, through the shock, through this meditation easily. So I wanted to show people how to do it because the chakra is set up for that. And I, I was doing this and I got an email, like I think it was day two or three from a woman ranting. And she basically said in the email, I can't believe you're charging for this. And she said, my credit cards are maxed out and I can't afford it. And I thought, I wrote back, you know, my, and I said, but it's free if you show up. And she wrote back and said, I don't get up that early. Mm. And, and I thought, well, you know what the universe isn't going to come to you folks it's not you have to meet it you have to go i'm going to do whatever it takes i took that hundred thousand dollars and i went to china and that was all i had you do have to take those risks you do have to invest my friend sark who's a uh, an artist and a writer you know she said to me once you know tori people forget we have to we we spend money sometimes in ridiculous ways because we need to get where we're going And I thought, oh, my God, that's so true. 
And I invested. I lost money. But you know what? It, yes, it, it wasn't lost if one person's life gets changed. And if one person in your group got something from that deck, that's why I did it. Yeah. Not, you know, that's what it's about. That's what this is all about. But the biggest thing is, and if I leave everybody with this thought, this whole work, this whole chakra thing is, is to say to you, your voice matters. And it's so important to get your voice back so you can be a beacon for others. That's the key to this work. We have to give back, but we can't give from our reserve. We can only give from our excess. Now, I do have one more question before we let you go, because I'm, I'm really curious about the fables that the angels kind of brought to you. And I noticed that there's 49. So is it seven chakras and the seven layers in the chakras or how, like, well, as, as, you, as you were working with the angels and they kind of came out with these stories, really, what was the intent and purpose for these fables to be told? And what's, what's up with the 49? Well, here's the funny thing, and this is, I'm glad there's a multi-layer there, and I'm going to, believe it or not, I'm going to answer all of it in one thing, which is this. I had no idea what it was. I just knew these angels were coming telling me these stories, and I had to write them down. So I didn't know that there were actually uh, chakra there, because they weren't coming in chakra order. They were coming, like, the first, the first fable that came to me was renewal, and I was standing in my kitchen trying to clean under the sink. So it was, <laughs> it was kind of like... <laughs> It was not, it was not like a, you know, sitting there oming. It was like, what the heck? I had to take off the rubber gloves and write this down. The point I'm making is that what happened was these fables came at a time I was working on a book for uh, Berkeley and it was a, a book on uh, fashion and color. In fact, there was my first color dictionary was in that book and they, these fables came through in color to me, which was unusual. And so they already were coming to me in the hues and the the colorways. And it wasn't until, really, until I did like 10 or 15 years later that I started to recognize this was in chakra order. And so it really evolved. It never really, it wasn't an organized, you know, thing. It didn't come to me like, you know, okay, here's the first one, here's the second. It was more like this mass of like somebody, ju like just, emptied a box on the living room floor and it had everything, you know, it's like your junk drawer, right? It had everything in it. And what I'm, what I'm saying is that I slowly had to pick it together apart. And part of this is that as I started to pick the pieces of, to, out of it, that became the red, the orange, the yellow, I started to see that there was a divine progression in each of it. So you do, you are correct. Um, and there's something really powerful here that's kind of a, which is why I wrote How to Read the Cards for Yourself and Others, which is almost like it's a, that book, that third book, because there's the cards, there's the toolkit and how to read the cards. How to read the cards I use to train people. That is the actual that is the actual textbook. It is so advanced that some people's head, you know, they're, they're like head spins with it. What it is, April, exactly what you're saying. Seven, seven chakra, seven layers, seven aspects. Everything's in seven. And even in astrology, we talk about the seven, you know, basic planets. We talk about the seven-year itch. We talk about the seven-year cycle of our all of our cells in our body regenerating. So when we look at the, the, the dance of seven, as I like to call it, 
Yes, each of the fables in their order. So when you look at all the red fables, you're going to look at each fable as having an aspect of a sh- another chakra. So what you're talking about, yes. So example, just as an example, the first card in the red cards are, and again, I'm giving a very advanced thing here, but the red cards, the renewal card is the first card. So that's a double red. What is the red chakra? It's our DNA. It's our beliefs from our family. And by the way, beliefs, don't ever try to change a belief. That's like rearranging a deck chair on the Titanic. What you want to do is go to a knowing. So a belief is always based on fear. They're all fear-based. You can't change one fear-based with another. You have to actually step out of it. And what I mean by that, I was sitting in a, oh God, years ago now, I was sitting in a bar with a bunch of friends. I was like in my 20s. And Jeremy Piven was there, an actor. And he turns to me, says, do you really believe this beep that you do? And I said to him, no, no, I don't at all. I know it. And he just looked at me. And what I'm saying is that you have a knowing. You know, if people have a faith, for example, they have a knowing about that faith. And I absolutely guarantee any mom or dad who's listening, if you're, knock on wood, if your child was pinned under a car, you'd lift that car. You know you would. So what I'm saying is that a knowing is the only way to really manifest what you're here to do. So when I went to China with that 100,000, I knew, I had a knowing this was a path. It wasn't just, oh, I think I can make money. It wasn't like that. So when we look at those layers and we look at the first chakra and we look at beliefs that came from your family, that's your platform. That's what, that's your DNA. So when you're looking to change a platform and the renewal card comes up, that tells me very strongly there's a double red there. There's a double first chakra. So As we look at each card and as it progresses in the chakra, yes, it becomes more evolved. So you actually are asking a question that's extremely advanced. And it's interesting to me because I haven't had this question before. So when we go in the first seven red cards, you'll look at each red card as a progression in the chakra to the point where the red card that is the seventh red card actually is the highest consciousness of red. And it means changing who you are, changing your circumstances, changing your, what is out in the world. So there's a lot of that going on here. And when you look at the advanced book, how to read the cards for yourself and others, I actually get into seven aspects for each card. So, and each of the aspects then go into a detail of, hidden family beliefs, which gets into multi-generational healing. So you'll start to look at some of the things that come around with this deck can be extremely advanced. But again, that stuff, I really believe that if you really, you can read it and kind of, if you're, if you could probably catch on to it, but really the thing about the chakra wisdom Oracle that's so fun is doing it with others. And so as I was saying, I changed my whole format to go from, you know, just giving stuff away to, um, teaching level one. And then you have people that you get to uh, with that comes a, a club membership and you have people you can practice with. And as you start practicing some of these tools, you start to get them. And it's really amazing. It's really, the work is really, and when you see how much people change, it's, it, it's heartwarming to me. Um, and how much people, how people can really change their life circumstances. Um, 
I do have a story about that, but I know I can go on. So <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question. I hope I did. Yes, you did. And it makes me think even deeper about the cards and makes me want to pull them out because I, you know, I'm almost getting a sense too that, you know, if you were to bring these cards into a meditation and say you started at the root chakra and you went through the seven cards, you know, I kind of feel like, well, there's that clearing that takes place. And if you maybe take one issue that you're working on and work it, like you said, all the way up through the chakra. I bet that manifestation will then occur. And see, here's the thing. You are correct. And I love that you're saying that because you know what? I wouldn't have thought it to do it that way. And I love that you're thinking that way. You know, that's the thing I really enjoy about the chakra wisdom is I don't own it. <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't own it, but it was my job to shepherd it. Right. And now it's yours and now it's everyone's. And I, I, I do have to tell you the story because I'm getting truth bumps. Whenever I get truth bumps, I know I've got to tell you the story and then we can, I promise I'm done. But there was a, I was teaching multi-generational healing and th that's a aspect of this deck that's very advanced. And um, anyway, the point is I was in this class this early on and there was a mother, woman, who uh, she lived in Canada, single mom. She had a, a little boy, and they lived in an apartment. And her intention with multigenerational healing was she she wanted to someday have have her own home for her, she and her son. And she was nowhere near that, in her own words. And part of the the exercises, people came in with, you know, we talked about grandparents, and that's a whole that's a whole nother thing, multi generational healing. But basically, she came in and she said, "Well," and we talk about our grandparents. And she said, "Well, my grandfather, my mother's father, nobody liked. He was mean. He was arrogant." And, um, and we all were like, you know, and I just said, well, tell me more about him. And I said, do you have a picture? And she, oh yeah. She said, and, uh, she said he was a, a general in, I want to say, oh gosh, forgive me. Uh, it was Trinidad or something. I forget which, um, I'm forgetting right now, but anyway, he was the first black general in, uh, I want to say it was Trinidad, but it might've been Jamaica, but anyway, it was the first black general, and she shows us this picture in 1960, I think it's 66 or 67, of Queen Elizabeth, Prince Albert, and her grandfather walking through the streets of Trinidad as he was showing them the island. A black man in the, in the mid-60s. And I, like, I said to her, do you realize your heritage? Do you recognize this? She said, well, nobody in the family liked him. And I was like, I looked at everybody in the class. I said, are you getting this? And they all went, yep. And I went, okay, this is your legacy. This is who you are. And she started to get it. And she was like, oh my gosh. And I said, yeah. I said, this is something you've been handed down. This is in your DNA. You are that person. And she went, oh my gosh. Well, I have to tell you, she was working in a company where she was the assistant and actually, she had been trained, and forgive me for putting it this way, but she was like an engineer or something. She'd gone to you know, college and master's, and she had this training, but she didn't want to be arrogant. Interesting, right? Interesting choice of words. Mm, yeah. So she didn't want to be arrogant, so she took a job because she wanted to be close to it as like an assistant. And after this class, I, I hadn't heard from her. She dropped out of the club for a while. And all of a sudden, eight months later, she pops back up and she writes me a note. And she says, I'm so sorry I haven't been around. But MGH, we call it MGH, multi-generational healing, changed my life. She said, I went into my job and I told them, I showed them my degree and said, I really would like to do this. They immediately hired her. She 
quadrupled her income. And she wrote me because she was closing on her first house for she and her son. And I thought, that's what this work does. It helps us recognize who we are and what we've came in, what we've come here to do. And so many of us are living like Nelson Mandela said, you know, under a, under a light, you know, under the bushel, hiding our, you know, hiding our light. And that for me is what this work is about, April. And, and some people, some people get what this deck is. They see it. They want to train with it. And they and they move into levels of achievement and their own peace, inner peace, in ways that that are just astounding. And for me, I have to live with the idea that I can only serve those who want it, not those who need it. And and that's hard because I want everybody to have it, you know. But at the same time, I'm one person, but yet here's the deal. So are you. So is everyone listening. So the concept of let it begin with me, what if as grandparents, and by the way, multi-generational healing skips generations. So people out there who are grandparents, you can change the future by your relationship with your grandchildren. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where that, that work is at this point. So I don't want to go on because that's a whole other thing. But you can get the depth now of what this is about. And the depth in you is apparent, April, because the truth is that you can only see who you are in others. You can't see anything else. So that's why it really is our job to expand our humanity, because we can only see who we are. And if you think about that for a while, the people that are furious at each other with political stuff, they're looking at who they are. And and I think we have to really say, you know, it goes back to what I said about, you know, the, the people who are angry with the bumper stickers and stuff. You know, we really have to look at the idea that we're seeing who we are in the world. And that's scary. And people yeah. see it right now. So, you know, to change some of this, to change some of that, it really is about the internal work. So I am so I can't even tell you how excited I am that I got to talk to you today. And I feel like, God, not only that, I've talked all the time. I'm sorry to everybody listening. I'm like, ah, but um yeah. yeah, no, it's it's been wonderful. I mean, this is a deck that touched my heart and my listeners know that, you know, I bring people on and, you know, my podcasts are things that I feel pretty passionate about um, and things that I, um, you know, that that I know. Right. I was going to say that I believe in, but there there is definitely a knowing. I know these cards are magical. Um, so, you know, I I love them. Um, you know, if people uh, feel as compelled, <laughs> um, I would say definitely check out Tori's website. It's toriheartman.com. And I see your pups on there. They look like um, miniature greyhounds. Are they miniature yep. greyhounds or they are, no? Whippets. Oh, whippets. Okay. And you, you're missing one who's my puppy. He's, he's the cray cray one. He's, um, he's, his name is Gavin, General Gavin. My, that was my father's favorite general. And, um, he is two years old and a Taurus and stubborn and I love him. So there you go. (laughs) Well, Tori, thank you. It was really, really just great for me to be able to get a chance to speak to you. Um, because you know, these cards, they have touched me and they've touched, uh, you know, other people that I've used them with. And so it was, this was really fun for me. So thank you. 
Thank you. I'm really honored, April, and I just adore you. I love your voice. I love your energy, and I really hope you will uh, you'll continue to use the cards for some group gatherings. It it really it really is very powerful when you use the uh, the toolkit as well. Very very powerful stuff. So thank you. Yeah, this this uh, conversation gave me some great ideas, and now I am excited to go back in and, and work with them some more. And I actually did not get the How to Read the Cards for Yourself, that book. I just have the toolkit, so I am going to rush out there and grab that as well. Um, and you also gave some great business advice. I don't know if any entrepreneurs that are listening caught on to that, but I've learned a lot just in business um, through this podcast as well. So thank you for your wisdom there. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm, I, you know... I, I think you're great. So if I can be of service, just let me know. Just feel free to reach out. Okay, will do. Thanks, Story. Thank you. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!